0: How you guys doing this morning? That's good. That's good. Live stream, if you're watching, what's good? Nice to see you guys. I don't really see you, but you get the point. Uh, yeah, I, I'm really, I'm excited to be a part of this series, man, because it's been amazing to watch Pastor Jason, Pastor Jim bringing the word, and I, I get to stand in the back because of some of my duties during the service, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, I got, like, I got a confession. I, I peek during the hand raising time I, if you're offended i'm sorry but i it's been like 50 to 60 people over the last couple of weeks that have raised their hands to give their life to christ and that is yes that deserves a hand clap because it's amazing it's so really cool to see and you know I, if you're sitting here and that's been you over the last couple of weeks, or if you're watching, you've raised your hand, you've given your life to Christ, baby, you're in for a wild ride, you know? But it's a great ride. And it's part of that ride that I want to talk about this morning. So, you know, um, Pastor Jim did a great job unpacking the, the great Christian confusion last week. I, the thing that I want to do I don't do, and, and I know the thing that I ought to do, but I don't do it, but if I don't do that, it's not me who does it, it's me who, the other me, who does it. And what it feels like, if we're not careful, is that that's us taking all the Christmas lights off the tree, tossing it around like a pizza into the box, shaking up the box, putting it away, bringing it out next year and going, "Who did this?" This is ridiculous. But on the, on the surface of that, foundationally, and, and we can be cute about it. I don't know what that means, man. It's so confusing. Or we can joke about it because that's what we do when we're confronted with uncomfortable truths. You understand what that means. You know what it feels like. You and I both know what it feels like to know the good that we ought to do and not do it. You and I both know the thing that we don't want to do and yet choose to do it. You and I both know the internal war that happens, two natures that constantly rub together, glorifying God glorifying me and you and I both understand on some level what it means to have that internal war inside of each of us, right? Let's be honest and it's this struggle mentally emotionally physically that we just we this i know this thing that i ought to do and don't and i there's this other thing that and and it's this constant war sometimes depending on the thing depending on your mentality that goes on inside of our minds and inside of our hearts and i got i got a video to show you because this kind of if if people could see on the inside outwardly what our internal struggle looks like i think it would kind of look a, a little bit like this so suck at that guy okay hey come on out here let's settle this the old-fashioned way come on i may not be tough i can get good and mad gotta oh. stop it man you're scaring me what's the matter? get off let's get off <laughs> before he wakes up come on i'm not through with you buster i'm not through with you come on Matter, Free to pick on someone your own size. Are you okay? Uh, what happened? That was dirty. All right. Come on. Where are you? Where are you? Here I am. Stop it! You're gonna kill him. Don't killing me. Yeah! killing me. Whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh, oh, Tony, oh, don't make it, don't make it, don't make it. Get on your knees and beg. I think I die. Yeah. Ah! Oh! oh, oh. <laughs> on your feet, Opie. Okay. We're going to have some fun. Irene! Irene! <laughs> <laughs> That's like the only man on the planet that you can watch something like that and be like, I wonder who's going to win. <sighs> you know? But if, if, our, if that was what people could see on the outside, like how many of you internally can relate to that where it's like, no, no, you know, no, you know, no, I wanna do this, but I don't, ha, and there's this, I just wanna to go to bed. <laughs> and I think that's why so many people sleep so much because they're tired of the internal struggle. <laughs> they're tired of this and this and this, constantly being at war and fighting with each other. And I, I want to share with you this morning something um, from, from my past. Uh, and, and can I be vulnerable? Is that cool? Okay. I was going to anyway because it was like part of my notes. So if you're like, no, I was like, oh, let's skip the next couple of slides. <laughs> but I, I was looking for a song lyric. A friend of mine had written a song, and I was trying to find it. I'm like, man, i trying to find this lyric. I bet it's in an old journal. So I busted out my old journal, and what I read, I'm speechless. I don't recognize that guy. And and it was the, the constant struggle, the, the, the self-hatred that I read in that journal because of the truth that I'm going to share with you this morning. I, I didn't realize it. I, I couldn't embrace it. And so this is... Uh, that opening line, once again, I come to you in shame. Come to God in shame. The next one, I'm discouraged. Why am I not delivered? Here, I'm neck deep in a pornography addiction. And I'm, I'm, if you look down further, the next paragraph, I feel like you won't deliver me, like I'm doomed in a circle of foolishness. The mentality that I had. This one uh, shook me a little bit reading it. Uh, it says If my son spent his entire day disobeying me, dishonoring me, and did one thing at the end of that day, do I really think everything would be cool between us? My answer then was no. Because I didn't understand the father's love for me. I didn't, and as a father now, it would be like, my son could spend the entire day disobeying me and I'd still love him. And if he did one thing, would everything be cool? Yes. <laughs> because I didn't get what it meant to be a son. And there's some of us in here that you don't get what it means to be a son, what it means to be a daughter. And there's this war that happens. And, and I was so focused on performance that I missed what it meant to be a son. I'm not saying that behavior isn't important, but there's a foundational level of things that we have to embrace when it comes to being a son and a daughter in Christ. Um, This next one, I left the top part up there because I'm pretty sure that there are people in this room that didn't believe that I actually knew how to write or what to do with paper. Also, shout out to Apple products, so. But this is years after, uh, you know, I decided to come back and start writing in a journal again, which if you don't journal, man, I, I highly recommend it because of this stuff exactly. And I, I come back to this and that line in there, I've, I've read through this book, and it's packed full of doubt and remorse, It's sad. Because that's not who I was at that point anymore. And as I'm I'm kind of looking through all of this, I want to talk about this morning, no condemnation in Christ. Good guilt versus bad guilt. Handling that internal struggle that each of us have. That sometimes, and I understand that some of you may know what I'm talking about here, is crippling to us. It cripples us to inaction. Because we don't feel worthy, but we know we should be worthy. I'm a son of God, but I'm full of crap. I'm a, you know, and it's this constantly, constant internal struggle that we all have. And the truth that I want to portray to each of you this morning is that it's important for the believer to realize that there will always be a dichotomy, two natures that constantly vie for the position of the throne of your heart. I wanted so bad for that to go away. Sometimes it wasn't even the sin, it was the desire for the sin. Why do I even have this desire? Why do I even want to do this? This is not what a believer should even want to do. And what I didn't realize is that you and I will always be at war. Everybody say always. You will always be at war always. And I, what I wanted to do was like, you know the old floppy disks, disks where you like push the button and the disk popped out? I wanted to do that. I wanted to just push the button and have the Carl disk pop out and have the God disk put in and, and not even have the choice, not even have the desire anymore to do anything that would be unbecoming of God. That's what I wanted more than anything maybe that's not how it works that is not how it works this side of heaven you and i are at war there is a war that rages inside of us and i wish i would have embraced that that is just the way it is because i didn't even want to have these desires i didn't even want to be tempted James chapter 1, blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he, he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted, follow me here, when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. There's a progression that happens there. Blessed is the man that perseveres. Blessed is the man that is faithful despite the internal war and the external war that rages on between two different natures that exist. It's a fight. I I wish I could say that it wasn't, but it just is. And the Bible says you're blessed if you persevere amongst that. I, I know it's tiring. I know mentally, emotionally, spiritually, there are times of like, whoo! But that's the way it is. And the Bible says that you and I are blessed if we persevere in those moments. We're blessed. If, we, if we're faithful in those moments of war with our nature inside of ourselves and the world outside of ourselves. And then when it comes to temptation, temptation's not sin. That's, that's not like... And and I had a lot of trouble embracing that, like to even have this desire and feel like I'm drawn towards this, whether it's anger or lying or sexual things or or, or whatever it may be for you. Like I, I don't even want to have the desire to do this. I don't even want to be tempted. But the reality is that you will be, that I will be. And that won't go away. Maybe it will in certain things, but it won't. There's just always two natures at war. And so for this, lust, and and I'm not talking about sexual things. I'm talking about the glorification of self when it talks about lust. And that can seem so innocent. It really can. It can seem so easy. It can even seem good. That's why it's important for you to know your word the only thing that the glorification of self gives birth to is sin. It's the only thing. It's the only outcome. Because you and I place ourselves on the position that we were never meant to be on. It's the only thing that is the outcome of that. And the only thing that's the outcome of sin is death. So as I'm I'm coming to the realization that these actions are at, war with each other. Um, I would always have people say, you know, Carl, there's no condemnation in Christ. Pick yourself up. Be happy. It's like, oh, but I was an idiot. How do I be happy? (laughs) You know, I don't know. And so I decided, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, I'm going to do a word study on condemnation. I'm going to study this word. And I was really shocked To find out something about this. So Romans chapter 8, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Everybody say no condemnation. condemnation. Do it again. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. Thank you, God. For what the law could not do Weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So that the way that this is kind of broke down is verse 1 is the statement. There's no condemnation. Verse 2 is the explanation of the statement. Why? Why is there no condemnation? Because the law, the spirit of life in Christ, separated or set you free from the law of sin and death. And then the third verse is an even more expanded of those first two. And what I found was that that word condemnation did not equal guilt. It equaled penalty. It meant penalty. What I expected to find was there's now no guilt in Christ. And then all my problems would be solved because I could be happy. But instead, it was penalty. There's now no penalty in Christ. And that's so much more freeing. Because what the Bible does, what God realizes, is the same thing that I talked about earlier. You have that war in you. And by no means is grace a license for sin. Just because we have Jesus doesn't mean we're like, oh, go all crazy doing whatever we want to do. But what it means is that if that happens, when that happens, when that war gets tiring, there's no penalty in Christ for sin any longer. You're set free. Free to the point where you don't even have to do it, but free to the point where even if you do choose to go into sin, there's grace. And there's a covering and it's not the question isn't whether or not you know I I feel guilty, the question is what I do with that guilt. And so today, quickly, I want to go into two different. I want to talk about bad guilt and good guilt. So bad guilt, it's the easy one. We talk about Judas. Judas really liked money, a lot. And so there's this kind of exchange within the word where I think Judas kind of realized, wait a minute this guy isn't going to be an earthly king? Uh, Well, dang. (laughs) All this money that I've been holding and and gathering, and and so Judas starts to figure out a way for that extra little something. How many of you know what it's like to walk down a road so far to do what is just ridiculous? Seems not a big deal because you haven't been caught. If deception is something that you struggle it with, the, the worst thing that could happen to you is to not get caught. And so here's Judas. I'm gonna go and and I'm gonna betray Christ, I'm gonna bring a false witness against Christ so that he'll be arrested for 30 pieces of silver. And he sees: oh, he didn't just get arrested, he's been condemned to death. So the Bible says he feels remorse. He feels guilt. And so he goes back to these people, these same people that he went to to betray Christ. And he says, I, this, is, this is blood money. I, don't, I can't do this. I've, I've betrayed innocent blood. And their words to him were, that's not our problem. You handle that yourself. And he immediately went out and hung himself. You see, Judas, what he did was he went back to the source that caused need for redemption in the first place. His guilt led him to look not to the source of redemption but to the source of condemnation, to the source of penalty. And we do that, right? We look for comfort, and some of you understand this. I've already taken one step in, I feel guilty, Screw it. Go big or go home. And you won't even remember the next three days. That's what we do sometimes. We go to the source for forgiveness when that source has no forgiveness to offer. We go to the source for comfort when that source has no comfort to offer. There is no comfort in the source that caused you to need redemption. I'm an idiot. I'm a fool. Whose voice is that? My sin that causes me to view myself in a way and call myself things that God would never call me. Because it feels good sometimes to call myself an idiot. It feels good sometimes to bash myself down, to bash them down for the mistakes, for the sin in other people's lives. There is no redemption in that. That's not the source. But there is good guilt because it's about how we approach it. It's about how... It's a, I, I feel this. You should feel when you do something different than what the Father wants you to do. You should feel like you have done something that you shouldn't do. But it's what we do with that. And what Judas did was he went back to the source that caused the issue in the first place. What David did was go to the Lord. And so David's on a rooftop and he's, he's admiring the kingdom that he built when he should have not even have been there. And he looks across and he sees a woman bathing And if your first reaction to that is what was she doing on the rooftop bathing you're a fool stop (laughs) not the direction you should be going with that what was a king doing using his power and authority to bring somebody else's wife to sleep with him and so that's what he does he brings her sleeps with her she gets pregnant what am i going to do he, he, he brings Uriah, her husband, home. Sleep with your wife, but he's supposed to be in battle, so he's like distraught. My brothers are out there fighting and dying, and I'm supposed to be, and he, he just, he sits there. He's like, get your husband drunk and have him sleep with you so that the, he'll think the baby's his. What? Right? This is like some weird, like, Jerry Springer junk. The Old Testament, I t- I've said this before, the New Testament, it's like grace and mercy and love. And then you read the Old Testament and it's like this craziness, and you're like, there's the world I know. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> My uncle did that last week, you know? <laughs> so that, David, he, there's this deception. And then he says, Send her husband to the front of the line so that he's killed, and I don't have to deal with this. So he does, and he gets killed. So then the prophet Nathan comes, is all found in 2 Samuel chapter 11. The prophet Nathan comes, and he says, you know, there was a little lamb. This person just had a little lamb. And this rich person that had much cattle, many sheep, came along, had to do a sacrifice, They took the lamb. Isn't that terrible? And David's like, Who has done this? The Bible says he's like burning with anger over this. And Nathan goes, You fool! And David goes, I just really wanted to use that. Oh, you're welcome, Michigan State fans. (laughs) I'm just trying to balance out, you know, because there's some Michigan State bashing that happens up here. So I'm just trying to balance it out. Life's about balance, people. (laughs) David's like, oh, snaps, that was me. (laughs) I've sinned before the Lord. I've sinned before the Lord. And the prophet then tells him, Okay, you're not going to die. Your son that you bore Bathsheba will. David prays and fasts and prays, and he won't eat and he won't sleep. And he just, he's coming before the Lord, begging for the life of his child. And the child dies. And then he gets up, he washes himself. He sits down to eat, and everybody's super confused. Wait, whoa, 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 Like you, you were in this state, and the child died. But now you're in this state, and David's like, I, I asked the Lord, and it didn't happen. And you know what he did? You know what the Bible says he did? He went into the house of the Lord, and he worshiped. Some of us... Get so mad at God over far less. Where were you? Why didn't you? I couldn't find my keys when I was looking for them. I'm mad at you, God. Like, what? You need a coke and a smile. And yet, David went to the source for redemption, went to the source the source that offers redemption, the source that offers forgiveness, and you can argue that that punishment seemed harsh. You can argue that. Sending a person's husband to get murdered, you can also argue was harsh. But what matters is that David sought redemption at its source, at the source that offers redemption. And if you're so wrapped up in that war and not even wanting that war to happen, if you're so wrapped up in the glorification of self, in me being the most supreme thing, if you're so wrapped up in that, you miss a beautiful opportunity and it's this. That in the mental, emotional, spiritual, sometimes physical, internal war that each of us has, there's a simple truth to embrace. And that's that whether you're a believer or not, the Father bids you come. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, the Father bids you come. David went in and worshiped after he had a man killed, after he slept with his wife, after he... Judas did far less, and the guilt drove him to his death because he couldn't take it anymore. The Father bids you come. No matter what you've done, he's there. No matter who you are, who you say you are, he's there. A loving Father. Believe me, I understand this now to a certain degree. Still figuring it out but I understand this more, that that war that exists within each one of us, that war of glorification of self versus glorification of God is a war that will always be, but it's what I do with that that matters. And those moments of shame and those moments of guilt that would drive me to call myself something that the Father never does I don't retreat to those areas. I retreat to the arms of a loving father who always bids me come. I wanted to end on the song that we sang earlier. I'm not afraid, A, because they wrote it and it's awesome. But B, because I think it encapsulates this, it's fear so often that would drive us away from God. What will he think? What will I, oh, he's this, you know, I'm going to be a black smoldering mark on the ground. And it's like, no. And I would hope that a life of promiscuity and pornography and lying, standing in front of you, would show you that the grace of God is limitless. Limitless, And it doesn't matter what you've done or who you say you are. Do not be afraid. But I don't know if that's even the right path. There's so many other gods and there's so many other religions. Not any that bid you come no matter what you've done. That bid you come to a loving father willing to wipe clean everything that you and I have done that's unbecoming of him. Stand to your feet. And if you're a worshiper which is all of you <laughs> you should come to the front and er- erase that fear you're not afraid do not be afraid to come to the father whether you're a believer in this room that struggles with xyz or you're not and you're you're wrestling with this faith thing and i don't want take that leap take that leap to a loving father who bids you come